0: Welcome back to the Angry Christian Podcast. Uh, Tonight, I am uh, having to rethink my hosts um, because all of my guys have abandoned me. Michael the Wise uh, has decided that work is more important than the podcast. Uh, Jonathan the Silent has decided, uh, for various reasons, that he cannot join us. And Brian... The I, I'm still trying to come up with a good nickname for him. I don't know. Uh, Brian the patient. Uh, Brian Brian the long-suffering. Um, <laughs> Brian the uh, jokester. Um, I don't know. Brian the court jester. There's a good one. He is also busy. He's been moving his family uh, into a new house, so uh, he has been preoccupado with that. Um, but in their place, uh, it took only one woman to replace three male co-hosts. Uh, and that one woman is my wife, Sherry Bates. Say hello, Sherry Bates.
1: Hello. Hi.
0: That's her. That's her wonderful voice. She's a lot quieter than I am, so I'm going to hopefully get her to speak a little louder to to join us. Uh, but anyway, she is joining me tonight as we talk about a very... A uh, sensitive subject uh, tonight. This sensitive subject being the subject of divorce. So this week I wrote an article uh, called "Divorce and the Space Between the Broken Things," and um, basically I've been thinking about doing this kind of episode for a while now, um, mostly because I feel like divorce is a a, a subject that touches probably every single human being, uh, at least in America and potentially in, like, uh, Europe. Not necessarily all over the world, but uh, here in America, I can s- I- I think I can safely say that uh, this has a great impact and has touched various people, if not all people, in some way or another. Um, because when I did some research, the American Psychological Association has some stats out there that said that 40 to 50% of all marriages. Now, they didn't specify if that was Christian marriages or, or non Christian marriages, but they just said 50, 40 to 50% of all marriages end in divorce, with that number being even greater for those who enter into a subsequent marriage after they've been divorced. So, if you get married, you get divorced, and you get married again, your percentage or your likelihood of getting divorced in your second marriage is even higher than it was for your first marriage. So, all of that to simply say that um, if half of America, half of marriages are, are ending in divorce, then I can guarantee you that everybody has been touched by it, either by somebody directly related, either they've been in the, a divorce themselves, or um, they know friends who have been divorced. I know that we both have. Have friends that uh, have been divorced, or are, may even be in the middle of divorce, and you know we're only in our late 30s, mid to late 30s. I'm in my late 30s. You're in your mid 30s. I need to clarify that, and um, you know, so we are witnessing that firsthand. But we've also witnessed it firsthand um, personally, and I will go into that here in a little bit. But I first, before we really get kind of talking about this I wanted to read some scriptures about divorce so I found there's a bunch um, but specifically I found Mark chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 19 are actually the same story told by two different of the two different disciples Um, but they kind of have a different perspective a little bit Um, most of it you know I'm going to read both Uh, And then the next one is in Hebrews 13, which is actually from Paul. Um, But here in both Mark chapter 10 and Matthew 19, we find Jesus kind of being, uh, trying to be tricked by the Pharisees who, you know, Jesus has been out um, in the area of Judea and crowds are gathering around him and he's teaching and the Pharisees come up and this is what they say. In verse 2 of Mark, chapter 10, it says, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And Jesus answered them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart he wrote you this commandment. But, From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer one, or sorry, two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And in the house, the disciples asked him again. So basically, this is outside of whatever house they're outside of. The Pharisees say that. And then they go in the house, and the disciples ask him about it again. And he says to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery basically against her husband. Then we go over to Matthew 19. Um, Same story, just told a little differently. Pharisees come up and they say, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And he said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery. So, Jesus here is trying to, basically the Pharisees are trying to corner him, And mostly because they have been kind of in the habit of divorcing for whatever reason um, and allowing divorces to happen for whatever reason. It it could be that, oh, their wife um, gained some weight. And they decide, oh, you know what? I don't want a wife who's a little portly, so I'm going to divorce her. Because Moses allowed us to divorce by giving them a certificate. What Jesus lets them know is that Moses... It was not necessarily that way from the beginning. But instead, Moses allows it because, basically, they're hard. hard Hard-hearted. And Moses allows it, um, but from the beginning was not so. However, Jesus does make an exception. And his exception is adultery. Or sexual immorality. Basically, adultery. So within the context of a marriage, if a spouse is commits adultery or has an affair, then they are, in the eyes of Jesus, permitted to divorce. Okay? Um, and then let's just flip over here to Hebrews 13. Paul says, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Uh, so, uh, you know, kind of I guess you could say reinforcing a little bit in sh- shorter terms what what Jesus had already said. So clearly, um, divorce is a serious matter. Um, it says God's going to uh, judge those who um, who divorce basically for immoral reasons, right? Not 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 both parties necessarily. Um, anyway, it, it's it's very. Um, difficult to talk and so i just want to put this caveat out there that as i am talking through this as we are talking through this our intention is not to shame people who have had a divorce okay as i've already pointed out jesus made exceptions for divorce there are moments in fact uh, there are what what um what I would refer to, and what others have referred to, as the three A's of divorce, and that's abuse, abandonment, and adultery. And there are places throughout the Bible that support getting a divorce because you've been abused by your your spouse, you've been abandoned by your spouse, and you um, have your spouse has had an affair. So um, the th- what I call the three A's. Of divorce. So there are reasons. So if you've been abused physically, sexually, emotionally, mentally, you know, that's, that's legitimate grounds for divorce. If you have been abandoned physically, now there is a, I would even go so far as to say if you've been abandoned emotionally, like you have a spouse who's there but isn't. Right? That would be um, basically like they just, they don't even acknowledge your presence. They're just there. They show up. They leave. They come and go. They are re- they've are they checked out of the marriage. They're physically there, but they're not mentally there. They're not emotionally there. Grounds for divorce. And then, obviously, the affair, the adultery. Um, Jesus makes that very clear that that is an exceptional form or reason for divorce. Now, divorce is not fun. You look like you want to say something. Are you wanting to say something? Okay. I, I'm, I'm holding the microphone, so we're having to like pass this around, so I'm having to make sure that if she's needing to say something, that I can get it to her, and it looks like she's reaching for it now, so here we go.
1: It's kind of like sharing the remote. It doesn't always happen. Anyway, go ahead.
0: And a woman stealing a remote is grounds for divorce as well, so... Um, just want to make that clear. The remote is the man's responsibility. And if he comes into the room and it's been stolen and put on HGTV or something other than something manly uh, or that the man has not chosen, the wife has violated her role as, as uh, the help meet to the husband. And that is ground. No, not really. I'm, I'm totally joking. Um, the remote is not grounds for divorce though some may argue that it is um, anyway um, so those are just kind of some passages i just wanted to make those caveats uh, you know again to you those to those of you who have experienced divorce and you've experienced divorce for these reasons either your spouse has abused you abandoned you or had an affair and committed adultery um, you, you you have legitimate reason to have a divorce. And, uh, you know, that unfortunately these types of things happen all too frequently. In fact, I know entirely too many personally who've done this, uh, especially in the affair department. Um, uh, and I've, I've watched as over the course of the last few years, I have seen several pastors fall, um, not just pastors I know, but I'm talking like large, big-name pastors who have fallen because of sexual immorality, um, abuse, adultery, you know, various things like that. It makes the, the news all the time. You can think about Willow Creek. Um, you can think about uh, other pastors who just, they've crossed the line. Um, unfortunately, this particular topic hit close, home, close to home for me. Um, it hits close home for Sherry, too, um, as, you know, we, we, I won't go into any details, but she's experienced divorce on her side of the family. I've experienced divorce on my side of the family. We'll go into the details of my family if she chooses to, to share any details. That's entirely up to her. Um, but I will give my story, which was something I had included in my article that I wrote this last week called The Space Between the Broken Pieces. Or the broken things, sorry, the, uh, the space between the broken things. So um, if you did not read that article, I encourage you to go read it um, if you haven't. Uh, but if you have or haven't, I'm, I'm going to just kind of recap what happened. So basically, uh, about six years ago, um, I got a call. We were in uh, our little duplex here in the Charleston, South Carolina area, it was late at night. Well, I don't know if it was late at night, but it was dark. And it was probably early spring. And I get a call uh, from, from my sister who is crying and frantically crying and saying, Mom's here. Mom is here. Dad just told her that he doesn't love her anymore. And I said, what? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't sound like Dad. You know, I said, you know what, let me let me call him. So I call my dad, expecting that this was just all a misunderstanding and that um, it was just misheard and it may perhaps an overreaction. But I called and I said, Dad, I just got off the phone with my sister, your daughter, who is saying that mom is at her house and that uh, you told her that you don't love her. Is that true? And he says, yeah. It was like he didn't even blink. And I was like, what? You said that? And he's like, yeah, I just, I don't know anymore, son. We had this long discussion. Part of it was um, that um, he felt like my mother was overreacting to a relationship, supposed friendship with another woman, and that she needed to learn to just be okay with him having female friends. And I explained to my father, which is really weird to do when you're uh, 32 years old, um, explaining uh, to your father that has been a pastor all your life and counseled numerous people in marriage. (laughs) So uh, why this seemed to be uh, an anathema to him at the time didn't make sense to me. But I said, Dad, your responsibility, first and foremost, is to your wife, not to. To your female friends. And if there is a female friend. Or any relationship. In your life. That your spouse. Your wife. My mother. Is un- uncomfortable with. Then. That relationship. Needs to end. Immediately. Like. No ifs. Ands or buts. He just basically told me. Uh, no. Uh, that she just needed to learn to deal with it. Well. Well. Uh, Several months went by, I tried to get them into counseling, I actually had some pastor friends up near them, they went to counseling like three times, and my father got super defensive, Uh, the relationship kept getting more strained until they ended up getting separated for about a year, Uh, well it was kind of off and on, like I think my mom moved out, and uh, no my father moved out, I don't know. I can't remember all the, the, all the details because it was like a whirlwind of crazy. Uh, but effectively, they, they were separated for a time. Then <clears throat> on, I don't know the exact day, but it was in the fall, uh, about two years after that first call, I get a second call. And it is from my dad. And he is informing me that he has lost his job because he was a campus pastor at a Christian university. And through various avenues and text messages, uh, details were revealed to his boss about the affair that he was having with this female friend that he swore to us was no more than a friend. And uh, he admitted that it had always been more than a friendship and that it had been going on for a few years at that point. And <clears throat> that he had lost his job. He was told that he had to resign and that he just wanted to provide me an update uh, to which um, I proceeded to uh, l- preach to him about uh, not defiling the wedding bed and um, and all these fun things. And he proceeded to tell me that it was not a, a thing that I needed to worry about, that it was just between he and my mother. Um, and that possibly is the biggest lie and deception besides the fact that you can be friends with a woman and your spouse not be okay with it and that's perfectly acceptable um, FY not FYI not acceptable uh, just so you know um, anyway the big the big lie being that it's just between those two spouses it's not it's not true. there's a wide range of of, of impact um, you know I, I think about uh, he was a pastor campus pastor he was a, a teacher on the campus uh, so students watched him have seen that, see this happen he had people in his churches that saw it happen so they uh, witnessed it they they bore witness to that um, his children do what?
1: Our children, that was one of the most heartbreaking parts of about it for for us was just to how do we how do we condense this in a way that's appropriate um but still lets them understand what's happening because even even though uh even though a certain aspect of it was not appropriate to talk about with them. It was um, imperative that we talk with them about it so that they knew, and that was absolutely heartbreaking.
0: It was heartbreaking, and it was hard because we did not want to be the type of parents that just uh, kept that kind of stuff from our kids or, you know, tried to hide things. Uh, The reality was it was playing out right in front of them. And at least one of them was old enough to know what was going on. The other one, not really sure. And the other two, one was a baby, and the other one hadn't even been born yet. Um, So um, as a result, uh, that conversation with my father ended with me basically telling him that we did not want him as a part of our life. That was four years ago. Um, And as of today, as of this recording... Um, He is still not a part of our life. He has, my youngest son has never met him. He has never met. He's seen pictures, but he's never met my youngest son. Um, He met my youngest daughter a few times. She was only one at the time, so uh, doesn't even, she doesn't even remember him. Uh, My oldest son remembers him a little bit, and my oldest daughter remembers him a lot. In fact, um, she struggles with, a lot of this, uh, and a lot of anger towards him, because she doesn't understand how he could do this to his wife and her grandmother, and and really, it really, it's really messed up our family. Uh, you know, and there's even more casualties outside of that. You have to think about, you know, my mom's side of the family, all of my cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents, who this man has been in their life for 37 years, and then this happens. You know, and then you got to think about his side of the family. My mom is and us have been involved in that side of the family. And then you you think about how we have cousins there and we have cousins here. And now we're in, in this weird situation where like aunts and uncles and grandparents are kind of like touchy, you know, about it. And and I'll be honest, I haven't visited my dad's side of the family because I, I have this fear of if I l- make arrangements to go there, that they would try to make some kind of Thing happen where they get my dad there so that we can work it out, and and it's really it's not anything like that, and and honestly it's not up to them, but just and I know they wouldn't mean it in a malicious kind of way. They're they love me and they love him, and they would they would want to do it out of of a place of wanting to bring us together. So I don't I'm not looking at it maliciously, um, but it's not really their place. Uh, to fix that. <laughs> um, that's got to be something that Sherry and I have to come to terms with and we will have to figure out with him. And one day that may happen. Um, since all of this has happened, he has actually married this woman now. I found that out via third party. Um, and that was last summer and as of this coming summer, it will be a year that they have been married. That's weird, which means I have a stepmom. Uh, who happens to be just a few years older than me. Um, she also has three of her own kids, so I've got like stepbrothers um, who I've never met, and I feel bad because at some level it's like I don't want to, um, not because of them, but mostly because of their mom and their and my dad, um, and I feel bad for them because you know they're they're in a weird situation with their parents, with their mom and their dad, and they, they didn't ask for this, just like we didn't ask for it, and, and these are just things that people don't think about when divorce happens, it's like they don't think about the all the relationships that get tied up in this, they, they say stupid things, like my dad said, which is, son, this is just between me and your mother, and I just wanted to smack him through the phone. Um, and if I could have reached through the phone, as they said in the old commercial, reach out and touch somebody, I would have reached out and touched him right then. Um, give them a little tap on the forehead and said, you should have had a V8, Dad. Um, wake up, smell the coffee. Yes, I'm going through all the commercials. But the um, reality is, it, it, it's, it's, not, it's so much bigger than just the two of them. So much bigger. And, uh, you know, it can be argued, and, and it's been accepted that... You know, this ending of this marriage was not just my father. Um, Now, he's the driving force behind most of this, and and I would say he bears the weight of it all. Um, But no relationship that ends is 100% innocent on one side or the other. Everybody contributes um, to the rising or falling of your relationship. Um, Whether it be a small contribution or a big contribution, uh, everybody has a part. And so my my thing isn't to point fingers, but the reality is, is that these things, I'm just trying to say that this just doesn't get considered when people get divorced. They seem to think that it's just this relationship, this one-to-one relationship that's being broken, and they just don't think about the widespread brokenness that comes behind it. Um, did you?
1: Well, I was just thinking that... Um you know, the, the brokenness, it, it continues through generations. If, if, you, um, if you, for example, if you see, uh, say I, um, well, this won't happen with, with you and I, but uh, children who come from a divorced home, uh, percentage wise, they are more likely themselves to get a divorce. And then children who are raised in their home are also more likely to get a, a divorce. Um, but even if they don't get divorces themselves, they, they bear the wounds. You know, y- you, you're being raised by parents who are wounded by the ending of their parents' marriages who then raise you kind of with a chip on your shoulder towards marriage. In general, and and being hurt in your marriage, and uh, and that continues. You know, it's it's the whole ripple effect through your families, and everyone watching is also dealing with that ripple effect. You know, because uh, I I don't know about you, but it, when when those things were 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 really fresh for us, and and taking place as events were unfolding with your parents. Um, that made me for a while look at you like, what are you capable of? Are you capable of hurting me that way? And, and I know you are. I know I am. It's just the reality of of being uh, human and, and capable of sin and capable of, of really harming each other. Um, but at the same time, you look at each other almost like, with almost with your trust broken too. Um, And, and everybody around you who's watching this is, is dealing with the same broken trust and looking at the person next to them. Like, what about you?
0: Yeah. um, I do remember or recall you saying things like that to me. You would say things like, uh, well, you know, how do we make sure this doesn't happen in our marriage? And, How do we make sure that, you know, because we were thinking and I think you were thinking, especially at the time, is like, you know, your dad was involved in ministry and we're seeing this happen a lot with guys in the ministry. And how is there some is there a connection between ministry and this happening, these moral failings? Um, Is there I don't I don't know that there's necessarily a direct link, but I will say that there's certainly um, some. I don't know if it's the, the pressure or the stress or the fact that a lot of guys tend to, and I, I'm saying this as one who has been guilty of this in the past, um, who tend to put the church over their home and they, they forget that their first ministry is to their spouse and their children and the church takes precedence over their, over the kid. I know that happened with my dad on numerous occasions where things that he should have taken care of at home first, um, got kind of set aside for the needs of those who were in the church. And, and that's not a healthy way to do things. I did that for a long time. Our first few years of marriage, I was terrible at it as a youth pastor. You know, Sherry, Sherry makes, uh, comments like when we're talking to people about our early years of marriage and ministry, how, um, She was pretty sure she saw the youth more in our home than she did me um, just because I had them over all the time. I mean, literally, it was like five, six days a week. There were kids in her house um, just hanging out, playing video games, staying up late, watching movies. And and so, you know, we're no kids. We're in our early 20s, freshly married. And, you know, she's not getting that that honeymoon period with me um, that she deserved and needed. Now I will say, uh as I have grown older and wiser and and gotten a little gray in my beard um i have I have tried to establish more boundaries with the churches that i've um uh, the the last church we did not do so great with um, that one probably helped us well, that one led us into counseling <laughs> um, which that may be another episode uh but through the counseling uh has helped us to uh, be able to come to a better understanding of ministry and how it impacted our lives. And so that I can go into my next time setting boundaries. And I did, I went in and I said, Hey, you know, this is, this is my spouse. She is not your hireling. This is not a two for one deal. You know, this is, you're hiring me to do the work. Um, and I, I want her to be able to to come into her own in this church on her own organically like any other person that would walk in the doors of this church she doesn't get to just be thrust into something just because she's my spouse and so i've established that i've established the fact that we belong to another church as well so we're actually connected to two churches i've talked about that before um but the reality is, is that I wanted to set those boundaries because I didn't do a good job of that in the past, and I wanted to make sure that protections were put in place and and appropriate expectations were set. Um, and I think so far it's been fairly well honored and, you know, better than most churches that we've uh, been a part of up to this point. Um, of course, most churches up to this point, you've been almost immediately thrust into some sort of role, whether it be children's director, children's minister, it's always around the children because, you know, that's apparently all women are good for in church is nursery and children's ministry.
1: Well, that and I have four kids, so people automatically assume that I love children, which I don't. I mean, I like mine, but anyway.
0: No, well, to be fair, our first church, we had no children (laughs) and you were the children's minister. Uh, she did like children then because she was a early childhood education major and so she was gonna be a teacher and so this was just priming her for that and then she changed her major the last year to English and um, yeah so that's neither here nor there. <clears throat> Point is um, uh, there's there are aspects that you don't consider with divorce, like how that could affect if you're directly connected to somebody who's getting a divorce, like say your parent or your siblings, you start, um, kind of questioning things within your own marriage and you start thinking about, you know, are we, are we as bad off as that? Like, how did they get to that place as 37 years of marriage? They were in ministry. You know, I, I recall growing up and not thinking anything was wrong in my home you know i i so you think about that and you go okay nobody was yelling nobody was screaming there was no arguing <clears throat> there was no uh it, it just nothing seemed out of place growing up and so you know it just never thought n- thought never crossed my mind that it would actually happen however i will say and i did say in my article um that i did frequently think like you know if my parents got divorced what would that look like and it wasn't because I there was anything going on that made me think they were gonna get divorced, but I had friends getting her parents were getting divorced, and when that would happen, I'd be like, "Well, what would happen if my parents got divorced? Would I be able to handle that?" But I would be like, "Nah, my parents aren't gonna get divorced. My dad's a pastor; he's got his head on straight. You know, we're a good family. Nothing's ever happened here." And uh, and I was right; it didn't happen while I was a kid. It happened while I was an adult, and I'd like to say that as an adult. It was easier, but I don't think it was because I was more aware of what, of the far reaching impact of it. like as a kid, I think you think more along the lines of how's this impacting me. Whereas as an adult and as a parent, I'm thinking, how does this impact, impact me, but also how does it impact my wife? How does this impact my kids? How does this impact my relationship with my grandparents and my cousins on the other side of the family? you know, who, um, you know, I haven't seen in a long time, but and now I feel like I can't because if I go there, my dad might be there. You know, like, those are the things I think about now. I wouldn't have thought of that as a 9-year-old or a 10-year-old. I would have just thought, crap, now where do I live? Like, do I live with my mom or do I live with my dad? Like, I probably wouldn't have even necessarily had any feelings toward one or the other. It would have just been like, this awkward moment of now I've got to figure out where I'm going to be spending Christmas this year. And you know, there, I'm not saying it's easy for a kid either. So don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm just thinking that as an adult, that there were far more things that I was aware of than I think I might've been aware of as a kid. Now, Sherry, you're, you, you experienced divorce when you were really little. So you might be able to kind of give a different story like am i right is it more difficult as an adult or than it was as a kid or
1: well um i i can't speak to that too much um just because i was super young um when my parents got a divorce um i think that uh between um i I guess i was three when my parents divorced and then my mom was remarried when i was four Um, I have very few memories of life before um, my stepdad will forever be my daddy. He's the only daddy I have ever known, and he will always be that. Um, But there was no, uh, in my family growing up, um, there there was a really strange thing that happened, okay, because my mom had my sister and I, Um, before she got a divorce. And then um, my daddy affectionately calls us uh, uh, (laughs) insta-family because when he married my mom, he he got insta-family. He got my sister and I as as part of the deal. And uh, they went on to add three more girls. So um, in all of this, um, I, I didn't lose anybody. Um, I had uh, three sets of grandparents and uh, got to keep them all. And um, I had three sisters that came along and they have always been my sisters. Nobody has ever been step or half or less than family. And um, that's been a really uh, wonderful gift that my parents and my grandparents have given us. is that that whole cohesive family unit that we've always had. But I I do understand that that is an exception and it's not the rule. Um, Most kids, when their parents get divorced, especially when they're young, they go on to get a stepdad and a step or maybe a stepmom or um, maybe there's step-siblings involved and that relationship uh, tends to be fractured and, and, and really broken. And there's a lot of um, a lot of hard transition. And I'm not saying that there wasn't ever any in my family, um, just that I was probably too young to remember those transitions, and nobody's ever treated me differently. Um, so we have all been always family. Uh, So I'm not really sure, you know, I never had to choose um, between parents or uh, did the whole ferrying back and forth between one parents during the week and then someone else or uh, the other parent on the weekend. That was never my life. And uh, I'm grateful that that was never the case. But I understand that that's the reality for most parents. most divorced families is that the kids end up being the ones that are always in transition between two households.
0: Yeah, and that's probably the most difficult part yeah. is the going back and forth and getting this awkward situation, especially if each of uh, the mommy and the daddy get a new, a new relationship and then they're watching that take place. And, uh, you know, this other person you know, stepping into trying to be their dad or this other person stepping into trying to be their mom and makes things awkward. And depending on their age, they may rebel against it, push against it, and then you're not my dad or you're not my mom. Um, <clears throat> it's like, I'll be honest, like th- this woman that my dad is married to, I will never refer to her as a mother. One, she's too close to my age and that's a little creepy. Um, but two, um, uh, at this stage of my life, I I don't want any relationship with this person. Um, I didn't choose it and I don't want it. And I'm 38 years old. And and frankly, I have a mother. I don't need another one. Um, (laughs) And I definitely don't need one that's uh, personally responsible for splitting my parents up. So, uh, you know, that kind of adds a little nuance to this whole situation. Um, But anyway, like I said, it... I feel like as an adult, I probably have more on my mind about it than if I was a kid. Um, I don't know that for certain. And if you're somebody who has experienced divorce um, when you were younger and you remember what that was like, um, I'm happy to hear your story. You know, feel free. You can email me at angry Christian at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and message us directly. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Brad Bates. Um, that's me. I'm happy to talk uh, about it. Um, you know, I, I've I've watched some others that were close to me um, who've gone through similar situations, and it's just, it's really hard to watch. And, you know, I think about, there's other casualties to marriage, or marriage to divorce. <laughs> Are there casualties to marriage? Um, there's other casualties to divorce than just, People and relationships. I think about. Uh, I wrote a poem as part of my article, and uh, this is what I wrote. It says this: What gets lost in the space between the broken things? Father's Day, Mother's Day, birthdays and holidays, weekend visits, summer escapes, late night conversations, and fire pit revelations. Trust, respect, honor, and confidence. Hopes, dreams anything and everything there in the space between the broken things. In other words, there are things you don't even think get lost, right? Like Father's Day. My first Father's Day after my parents divorced was really hard. Because I wanted to say, Happy Father's Day! But at the same time, I wasn't happy with my dad. So, (laughs) um... I I said happy Father's Day to my father-in-law that day. um, But I didn't say happy Father's Day to my dad. Um, My dad sent me a text message that day and said happy Father's Day, but I didn't respond to it. And I I even wrote an article that day It said Father's Day for the fatherless. And and how difficult, simple days like Father's Day that everybody else gets to enjoy, you're watching it and going, hmm, this sucks. Or let's just say, your relationship happens to be marred by your mother. On, and so Mother's Day comes around in the same situation. You're looking at this and you're like, Ugh. or your birthday or their birthday comes around and you start thinking, oh, you know what? I should text my, no, I'm not texting my dad for his birthday. Forget about that. He doesn't deserve a happy birthday. Not this year. Um, or holidays, Easter. What are we doing? Uh, you know, up before my parents got divorced, we had a pretty regular schedule for our holidays. We would trade off and on. So let's just put it this way. like, So let's say this year we go to Thanksgiving with Sherry's parents. Then we go to Christmas with my parents. Next year we flip it around and we go to Thanksgiving with my parents. and Then we go to Thanksgiving, or sorry, Christmas with Sherry's parents. And then we would trade off every other year. And it worked great for like 11 years. 11 years of doing that and then the year after they divorce it's like crap what do we do with all of our holidays you know how do we do this how do we make my mom feel included how do we yeah you know and and my mom's going through the same thing she's like what do i do for the holidays like this is so weird for her you know and she she spent a few with her parent her parents her mom um you know we've done some things with her but it doesn't feel right. It feels it doesn't feel normal. It, it's definitely outside of the the typical that we've been in, into up to that point. And these are things you don't think about. Weekend visits. Like, hey, we're going out of town for this weekend. Like, we go visit Sherry's parents. We go visit my mom. But it's like there's that piece of my dad missing in that whole situation. I mean, he lives only an hour away. But I don't want to go visit him because, you know, he broke that little thing called trust. And respect. And, uh, you know, summer escapes. Like, you know, we used, we would do summer vape trips with like Cherry's parents, and then we'd do like a beach trips and mountain trips with my parents. You know, now it's like weird, you know, because you're going, oh, geez, there's that part is missing. You know, uh, my, I used to talk to my dad all the time, you know, and I would call him for all sorts of things. So those, just those, hey, I need to call my dad. And talk about this and get his advice—that that's not happening. You know, um, you have all these kind of hopes and you have these dreams about what life's going to look like with the grandparents and and all that gets flushed down the toilet with divorce. All of it—it's stuff that people just don't think about. All they think is, "I'm unhappy in my marriage and I'm going to divorce this person," and blah 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 blah. They don't think about. The, as Sherry put it a little while ago, the ripple effect of, of what happens and all the casualties, both in person and in just everyday life that gets taken out by these things. And it sucks and it's hard. And, you know, we're four years removed from the actual di- divorce and it still sucks and it's still hard and it's still awkward. And it probably is going to be for years to come. You know, unless my dad pulls his head out of his rear end. And that's probably not going to happen. I mean, you know, he he's married this person. He's committed apparently now. And, you know, that makes it hard. Because as much as I want to try and restore things with him, I'm not interested in this other person who's in his life. And, you know, that makes it strained sh- at best. And, you know... Sherry and I are constantly praying about how we're going to do this because it's a question that is constantly on our minds. Do we are we doing the right things? When is when is the right time to introduce him back into our family? Is there a right time to introduce him back into our family? Should we even introduce him back into our family? You know, these are things that that you you also don't even think about. That you have. These are the conversations. These are the weird things that you talk about late at night when you're laying in bed and you're, you know. You're watching something and it, it triggers a memory and you're like, oh, I remember we used to do that. You know, so it, it just, it's not fun. And if you're in the midst of, of considering a divorce or entertaining a divorce or flirting around with an affair, let me just let you know. You're walking in dangerous waters. And your decision has a far greater impact than you can possibly imagine. And your one night stand or your several weekend fling or whatever it is that you are choosing over your family, it's not worth what you're going to endure. And it's not worth what you're going to put everybody else through. And it's better that you realize that now... And take steps to resolve that than to continue down the path that you're on and leaving a a path of destruction behind you. Because I'm just telling you, you're not thinking about these things right now. If you're listening to this and you're involved in something leading you towards this, I'm just telling you, you're not thinking about everything I've just told you. My dad was not thinking about those things. I know because my dad's was a pastor and he was a counselor and, and did counseling for marriages. And I straight up said to him, dad, if you were sitting on the other side of you right now as a counselor and a pastor, you would not be okay with what you're doing right now. And you would be advising against it. And he said, it's different. I said, it's really not. It's really not different. It's only different because now you're in that seat and you're trying to justify your actions. And that's really what it boiled down to. It was all a justification. And that, if you're listening and you're like that right now, that's what you're doing. You're justifying things. And it's not okay. Your family deserves better. Your grandchildren deserve better. Your friends deserve better. If you're a pastor, the people in your church deserve better. Because those are the people that are going to be impacted by this. Not just your spouse. It's just not, you know, wake up. Don't don't buy into the lie that my dad bought. It's not true. And the enemy wants you to believe that. Because he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he is smiling from ear to ear when he says that. And then you repeat it. And you repeat it and you repeat it until you believe it. And he gets a bigger smile each time because he knows he's got you hooked. So step back from the ledge, step back, really evaluate your next steps, because I promise you the damage that can be done, it's just not worth it. I know too many people in this situation, too many people i have had people sitting in my home who have been expressing their heart and their life, who are right in the midst of the same thing. And, and and I can my heart goes out of them because I've sat in that chair now I'm not the one who's being my marriage isn't the one ending <clears throat> but my parents that was the next closest thing <laughs> to my own marriage breaking you know so anyway, all that to just say um, there are far more casualties to divorce than you could ever imagine and uh, it, you just really need to consider uh, not only my words, and those casualties, but the words of Jesus, right, Um, that what God brought together, no man ought to be separating, including you. (laughs) So, anyway, we're going to probably wrap this up here in just a moment. Um, Ooh, yeah, almost an hour long. Look at us, kicking butt and taking names. I know. So, uh, before we go, there's a couple things I wanted to hit. One is... There's a book that Sherry and I read that was recommended to us by our one of our churches, <laughs> uh, by Journey Church. Um, they were going through um, a whole marriage series last year. And one of the books they... Well, actually, I think the whole book was kind of the the premise for the sermon series. But the book is titled His Needs, Her Needs by Dr. Willard F. Harley Jr. Um, and basically... It's, it's a book about how to, he, he calls it, I think the subtitle is How to Affair Proof Your, your Marriage. Um, but effectively, it's How to Divorce Proof Your Marriage, honestly. And he talks about how most divorces and most affairs begin because <coughs> one person in the marriage isn't getting the needs fulfilled by the other person in the marriage, and therefore they seek out Somebody, or maybe not even seek out intentionally, but they stumble upon somebody who satisfies those needs and then they effectively um, fall in love with someone else because they are meeting those needs. And uh, anyway, it, it's a really long book, and it's a, not a really long book, um, but there's a lot to it than what I'm saying. If you're not a reader, Hoopla, the app H-O-O-P-L-A. This book is in audio format on Hoopla, free to borrow because it's connected to your library, so you have zero excuse. Oh wait, Sherry wants to say something. Yep.
1: I I just want to say that um, even if you are happily married you see your marriage in a good place you see your relationship your family all of that stuff is in a good place and even if you think yeah that's not for me read it even if you go the audiobook route uh, brad and i have both done that and um really uh, if only to give you some talking points and some ways to talk with your spouse about um what they need from you or or what you need from them even if it's just to start a conversation that maybe you've been uncomfortable with having uh read it read it together read it separately do whatever you have to do um to 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 get the the book in your hands and in in your spouse's hands just just do it it's it's really changed a lot of the the way that even the way that we talk with each other and how we relate with each other uh, for Brad and I, especially. And
0: yeah, that book's actually been around for a long time. Um, <coughs> excuse me. The, he, he's a marriage counselor. It has been. And, and, and this book is ranked as one of the greatest uh, marriage counseling books like ever. So well worth the read It's a little squirmy if you are nervous with the whole sexual stuff, because you know he talks about the the especially the male side of that, right? Uh, I'm not say squirmy, but um, I'm just saying it covers it all. Is all I'm saying what?
1: Brad just means to say he's very honest and open. So so if you need honesty and openness, and a way to talk about that too, uh, it it's just a great book.
0: What she said. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so that I just wanted to put that book out there. Um, for anybody who may be struggling, you haven't gotten to that point, this might be worth get checking into. Also, would highly recommend going to get counseling. There was a time in my life I would, I would have said that's silly nonsense and not worth the time or money. Uh, but Sherry and I have been in counseling. Now, we went for reasons... Not marriage necessarily, though marriage was part of the discussions. Uh, but for ministry reasons, and um, but you know, it certainly opens the door and makes it possible for us to go back if we need to for our marriage. And there are people who need it for their marriage. My parents tried, went about three times. Um, unfortunately, my you know my father got super defensive because he was already in the middle of of it. He was deep in it by this point. He would already justified in his mind that he wasn't doing anything wrong, that he was just, you know, so the, the counseling just ticked him off. Um, but, you know, I'm not saying that that's the case for everybody, <clears throat> but counseling is certainly uh, a viable option as well. In fact, your counselor may even recommend the book that we just recommended. I know that our counselor did. Um, so, of course, she also goes to our church, so that may have been part of it. Um, anyway... And for those of you who are already on the other side of that, who are recovering, or maybe you're in the middle of separation, or maybe you're in the middle of a divorce, or maybe you're post-divorce and you're still struggling, um, I wish I could say that as time goes on that the pain goes away. The pain may not go away. It may not get any easier. You may struggle. You may see happily married couples and and. And almost hate looking at it because you're like, I wanted that. Um, but I, I, you know, I can't say that that won't ever be the case. Um, and I wish I could impart wisdom. Maybe there's something we've said tonight that um, was something you can pass on to. <coughs> excuse me, pass on to um, your children or grandchildren. <clears throat> or I wish I could be, you know, a Joel Osteen, and give you five steps to your best life. Now, um, unfortunately, I I don't have any steps. Oh wait, Sherry.
1: I I just want to put it out there that um, if if you are struggling, if there is a, a marriage out there, um, a family who has recently experienced divorce, if you're contemplating divorce. Um, or even if you're on the other side of divorce and you're still struggling with it, if you're a child of a divorced home, or if uh, divorce has in any way touched you, and you feel like that uh, you would like our prayers, would you would you just shoot us a message and just let us know? Um, because a- apart from the counseling that we have gone through uh, together. I would say that the best thing for us has just been people who are around us who maybe even don't know us that well just praying for us. It has just meant the world to us uh, that that people care that other people have uh, have seen the pain, have seen what we've gone what we've gone through. Um, or, or see what we are going through as we continue to walk this road. Uh, it, it just means a lot. It has meant so much to us, the people who have rallied around us in prayer. So if we can be that for somebody else, please shoot us a message and let us know.
0: I think that kind of aligns with the scripture I was going to leave us with, which is it says this is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, in all our affliction, so that way we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. In other words, um, God... He is the Father of Comfort. He's he provides the Holy Spirit, the Great Comforter, and he comforts us in our affliction. But he also empowers those of us who have been comforted in our affliction, so that we can have compassion on and provide comfort to others in their affliction. That's that's what Paul's saying here, um, is that God comforts us, and then through that we are empowered to comfort others. Um, and so, and that's what Sherry is trying to say, is that you know we may not be able to be. Uh, we may not be necessarily a solution, but we can be a place that you can trust and be safe with and, and express your heart and frustrations and concerns. And, you know, we'll be happy to do all that. Pray with you. We've done it. Actually, we've had people in our home and we've sat around and, and, and talked about all that and, and just, you know, prayed with them and, and we'll do it again. And, uh, for sure. So anyway, uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up. We're we're doing pretty good here um, on time, but it's getting late. Uh, we've had a rough day, and we need sleep. I know I need something to drink. I am feeling dry. But um, anyway, we really appreciate you guys, as always, tuning in. And, um, you know, please be sure to subscribe, <coughs> to share, uh, to get the word out. Go find our merch store at uh, teespring.com. Buy a t shirt. Buy a hoodie. Um, It's still cold enough to wear a hoodie. It even says something cool on it it says, Don't be angry, which just happens to be our motto. And uh, we do encourage you guys to do that. Um, Anyway, we just love you. We appreciate you. And as always, don't be angry. I want to say a huge thank you to Jonathan Hamlet, Robert Platt, Michael Ledford, and Brian Baldwin for taking the journey with me and helping me host the Angry Christian Podcast. Another big thanks goes out to Simon Panrucker for his song, Angry Dance, and to Scott Holmes for his song, Clear Progress, that we use at the beginning and the end of the show. All other music is produced by the Angry Christian crew. And finally, the show wouldn't be possible without you, our listeners. Thank you for taking the journey with us.